Just a little for a quick pop in, Corey. Porg. Okay, so uh, we just saw the Last Jedi, and here's my initial reaction. That's that's pretty good. Yes, I just got struck by lightning thanks to uh, uh, Yoda, the Force. Oh, spoiler. Um, actually, uh, who cares? Snoke, Snoke, Snoke. Yes. Um, yeah. My initial reaction is I. Well, before I get into my reaction, let's get into Cora's reaction because she's the woman of the hour. What, what do you th- what do you think of this movie? This movie is awesome. It does pretty much everything you could possibly expect out of a Star Wars movie. It's emotionally powerful. It's visually gorgeous. There's a bit more going on thematically than some of the less successful Star Wars movies. It's while it wrestles with a lot of heavy issues and heavy topics, there's also some really good humor in it. There are porgs, and there's someone who I am convinced was named General Hugs. (laughs) (laughs) I have to double check that now. Oh, Hux. You're thinking the Donald Gleason character? Yeah. Yeah, it's H-U-X. It's, He's the anti-hug. Didn't they sound like they were saying General Hugs the entire movie? No, but that's only because I knew his name was General Hux. <laughs> so, Would it have been better if his name was General Huxtable? It's short for Huxley. But yes, my very short review is, this movie's awesome, go see it. Oh, really quick, uh, do you know where you might rank this one in the Star Wars movies? A little too early to say. It was hard for me to say, especially because my I have such an unequal experience in terms of how many times I've watched each of the Star Wars movies. So the original trilogy, I watched countless times as a youth, but haven't watched them any of them in probably fifteen years. And then each of the Star Wars prequels, I saw exactly one time in the movie theater and never again. Although I did watch the Harry Plankett review, so I do know some things from them. And then The Force Awakens and Rogue One, I only saw once. So yeah. I actually wish I had rewatched The Force Awakens before we'd seen this movie. Did you forget some things from it? It just took me like a minute to get acclimated. But I would mm. say. It's obviously the best movie outside of the original trilogy. And I've always said that actually A New Hope is the weakest of the original trilogy. What? So Blasphemy! I would say probably better than A New Hope 2. Traitor! I'm not willing to say if it's better than Empire or Jedi. I have to think about it and marinate about it. But I think this movie... 
It will give you things to think about. It will stir your emotions. It will provide eye candy. Like Oscar Isaac. <laughs> and this time, he doesn't have brow ridges. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, he didn't have brow ridges in X-Men Apocalypse either. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm just referencing like one of our classic hits. All right, so I will leave the rest of Available today on a two-CD set. The greatest hits of the week. You can listen to Batman v Superman is dumb. Brow ridges, people. Brow ridges. And the Lage of Cinema is blank. Insert your favorite title here. All right, I will leave the rest of the review to the gentleman because it's after 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm tired from a long day of sitting around watching my students take finals. There you go. Yes. Good Good reason. All right. Well, thank you, Corey. All right. Thanks, Corey. All right. So Now I can take her seat. All right. Now, I concur. I thought this movie was absolutely spectacular. I am not sure of how I feel about this movie. Huh. That's I, a different reaction. I, on the other hand, like it very much, especially in comparison to Rogue One and The Force Awakens, both of which I was lukewarm upon. Yes. Yeah. This one I liked a lot, especially the middle. Now, I can... I'm sorry. I can put some of my feelings into into words by comparing this to The Force Awakens. Okay. The Force Awakens, to me, felt a lot like a retread of several very familiar elements. Yes. This one seems to break a lot more ground. There are things that are... Familiar, still. Yes. I do think so. Like, if you wanted to try to be, a, like, nitpick and do all that type of thing, you could you could absolutely say that uh, Brian Johnson, is it, or maybe it's Ryan Johnson. I, I don't know. Like, he has one of those names that says R-I-A-N. So well, I never, we call him Rian. Yeah, Rian. Um, he is clearly, you know, he's a fan of the Star Wars movies, but he's not, like, to the extent that J.J. Abrams was. Where I think that he and also Gareth Edwards, I uh, I remember one of the most distinct lines I remember talking about our greatest hits, um, in our review of Rogue One, you you said you thought that it was fan servicey as hell. Yeah, I don't think if there's fan service in this movie, it's actually the kind I really like. I would say it's well earned fan service. Uh, so it's hard. It's well, well, it's hard to go to a Star Wars film now and not recognize any fan service because fans are pretty much. The, but I think that the, part of the, of the think, greater population. But I think the question then becomes: you know, is it just shallow fan service, or is it actually things that come as a secondary thought to first giving us really great characters and really strong emotions? Because in Rogue One. You know, I didn't leave that movie really thinking about the characters. I was thinking about, like, Darth Vader's, like, stupid line readings and his, uh... <laughs> yeah. And his lightsaber wielding. Like, that was, like, trying to, pardon my French, uh, jerk off the fans. And this, though, on the other hand, this is, like, if you were a kid and loved Luke Skywalker as a character... Ryan Johnson really loves Luke Skywalker. I think that's something that I felt a lot in this movie, and I think that was a, a really strong emotional backbone. Mm. Not to everything, 
but to a good lot of this. Like, this has such, like... Oh, this is such a complex movie. It is. Uh, so, I mean, to tell, like... I don't know how you can talk about this movie, though, without getting into spoilers, like, immediately. Well, let's give a very basic uh, synopsis. Yeah. It starts off, apparently, if you remember The Force Awakens, things got really messed up, and now the First Order, which is what we what we used to know as the Empire, is on the march, and they're, they're pushing the Resistance out. They're, they're, and, they're the Empire Square. They're like Empire Junior. Yeah. The... the, the <laughs> The Resistance, led by Princess Leia, is on the run, and they are in a race for survival. Mm. That's a good way to put it. And meanwhile, uh, Rey is on uh, the island that she flew to at the end of Force Awakens, and... She meets Luke Skywalker. Yes, and, you know, she... At first, I, I actually had the impression that she wanted to be trained by him, but really... She comes to him actually just asking for help, you know, because obviously Leia is now General Organa. She wants Luke's help in fighting the First Order, and he's just flatly no. And so it's kind of it's kind of a combination of, all right, fine, I'll train you, but I'm going to tell you all the reasons why you need to give up like immediately. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's not like in Empire Strikes Back exact like. To the same extent where, okay, we know you're the last hope, we'll try to train you. No, Luke's more like, I'm going to try to give you some tips to try to dissuade you from doing anything else. Yes. And of course, there's a lot more to his story. And, and meanwhile, Kylo Ren as well, you know, he's, you know, he, he's Luke's nephew. And, uh... Ky- Kylo Ren is... Yeah, you know, what do you think of him, like, following up from the last movie? He, he, he became, ah, he, he's... <laughs> is that something you're conflicted about? No, I feel good about this. He, it's hard to describe. I don't want, I, I, I don't think he became more complex, but it's like, it's, he is hard to get a handle on for me. Well, I think that it's because he's, he's so unsure of himself. And, you know, in movies like this, we usually have a pretty good handle on the characters, especially if you have, like, a fantasy sci-fi movie. Usually you have a sense of, okay, here's this type. Like, you know, for example, Finn is this type of character. Or, um, or oh, God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Oscar Isaac. Poe Dameron. Po, po. <laughs> is that your doorbell? Oh, Dameron! Thank you. Yes, now I'm awake. Um, yeah, Poe Dameron is a certain character. I hope that song's on yeah. the soundtrack. <laughs> Whereas Kylo Ren, I have, I kind of feel like he's, he's the dark side character for millennials. He is, he is full of turmoil. Yeah, he, he was, he was temperamental and and he still is yeah but except it's become more intense yes and you understand a little bit more of where that comes from Mm -hmm. but what his motivation and what his ends are 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 completely mysterious but that's if they exist at all and that's but that's something that i you know i'm I'm obviously i'm gonna see this movie again 
and that that could that's an aspect to me that could be something that maybe on another viewing could become a little bit clearer but but, but in a good way yeah but even if even if he's all he's all uh you know full of turmoil that still has real repercussions because yeah. his every act is seems to be driven by this weird motivation he has inside him and it has deadly serious effects for everybody around him well he's someone who has um he, he's someone who's been messed up in a lot of ways because of you know you could you know you can't the thing is you can't pinpoint him on just one thing like for example anakin skywalker you could say well if it wasn't for palpatine maybe he you know he would have wrestled with things but he would have been all right you know, Snoke wasn't everything with him. Like, he had other shit going on. Like, the fact that, in a similar way, maybe paralleling Luke Skywalker, where Luke, uh, as we learn, you know, we kind of learn in the movie, you know, sort of was, you know, I'm the, I'm looked at as this legend, this guy that, that took down, uh, you know, that, that, that took down the Empire, and, and that weighed really heavily on him. Yeah. And, like, that... And then when he discovered, oh, wait, there's a lot of darkness in my nephew. You know, what am I going to do with him? You know, Kylo is also kind of probably has that pressure, too. You know, I'm the I'm the grandchild of Darth Vader and Luke's in my bloodline. Like, that's a lot to handle as well. So and I think that but the movie handles it very, very seriously. And Matt. What do you think of Kylo Ren? I hated him in the last movie, but this movie, I think Rian Johnson made him palpable. Or not pal- palatable, maybe? Pal- palpatinable? Palpable. Palpat- we could taste him. <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's like a good, like, you know, whiny cracker. Yeah, very whiny. Um, well, le- less so in this one. At least there's more, I guess, more d- action and resolve and forward momentum. Like, last movie, he seemed just to be, like, a media commentary on like whiny gatekeeper Star Wars fans. He was like the toxic masculinity guy who just wanted to rehash Darth Vader glory days and like not move anything forward and suck all like the fun out of life. But um, <laughs> I, I think this, Maybe. they 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 they, they kind of made him a little bit more layered. And yeah, he worked and they they pushed him through to be move beyond where he was last movie. I think that it's also a matter of uh, you know again in that in that for in Force Awakens they had to set up a lot of of stuff um, you know and also it's it's setting up their own trilogy and also having to call back to a lot of what came before this time Rian Johnson is really you know he has to build upon the last movie and also you know some of the one you know the ones that came before but I think that frankly I just think he's a better writer than J.J. Abrams. Well, I would I would agree with you on that. He also benefits from the fact that a lot that now all these characters are have been introduced and set up. Yes, we don't have to reintroduce them. And it's it's and that's a similar thing you could say also when you know we've we've talked about Empire before on this podcast that you know Irvin Kershner had these characters, he had this world. Now it's just a matter of okay, let's spend some time with them. Let's 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 have some time where we see. Uh, what Poe Dameron actually can do when he's not, you know, away from most of the movie. Right. Um, or, you know, what, what Finn does when he actually has a real, like, another real mission to do. 
Right. Um, like every so many characters are really active and involved, and I think that's where so much of the you know great drama comes from in general. But in this case, uh, there there are so many storylines going on, and yet you know it, it the way that Johnson is cutting between them, there's all this momentum going on. Yeah. Um, now uh, talking about though some of the acting, uh, you know, because again this time. You know, there are some new characters, but again, I just have to... I'll move on from him, and I'm sure we'll come back to him in spoilers, but... Goddamn, Mark Hamill's great in this movie. Yes. Oh, my God. Like... From the first scene, he (laughs) kind of dashes our expectations. How, How... What do you mean by that? We first see him, Ray is standing in front of him, hands him the lightsaber... And remember what he does. Yes. <laughs> I, it's not a spoiler to say because it happens in the first act. He throws it over his shoulder and yes. runs and walks away. It's, it's the perfect note to begin this character on. Uh, we, we think we know what it's going to be. It's it's going to start with you know Luke's training, uh, training Rey, and he's going to make her a Jedi Knight. And we think that's going to be one half of our plot while we have follow Finn and Poe and, and all the Resistance on this other part. But it turns out to be quite a different story when it yeah. comes, especially when it comes to Luke and Ray. Yes, yeah. And I think that that's like a key, like this key relationship that gets a lot of attention. And and Hamill really draws out every bit of his own, con- the, the character's own conflict and, you know, a lot of things that he's not telling her. And, and we get a sense that, okay, there's something that we're not being told Maybe a lot of things were not being told, and and yet it, it also it a lot of it goes back to the drawing on themes of you know things like what, what do you actually hold dear about what you believe in, like what is your belief system? Are you going to just chuck it all away, like and you know can you and um, oh god, there's also just just. Uh, one thing I have to just com- comment on before I get to some of the other characters, the way that uh, Johnson shoots some of the, and edits some of the, it's just, because uh, there's like a sequence where Luke is trying to show Ray, okay, you, you know, you, you think, oh, the Force is just this thing that, or you can move people around and <laughs> and move things. Yeah. That's what the Force is. And Luke's like, no, 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 close your eyes. And it's like, yeah. for like a minute, it almost turns into like a Terrence Malick film. I was thinking Terrence Malick. But in a good way. Yes. I'm not saying in a bad way. I, if, if Corey was here, she'd probably be horrified to think like, oh God, I enjoyed something that has a Malicky feel. But, you know, it, it, it really is filmmaking that more than in any of the, uh, in the even in the original trilogy, really draws upon... Uh, seeing what Ray is seeing and feeling, and uh, really heightens it. Yeah, there is some trouble though. How, there in are what? F- there are moments in those scenes between Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley where it seems like the writing is a little too direct. Hmm, how where so? it, where it feels like you remember how in uh, the Dark Knight. Like, characters would basically say, this is what this movie is about. Like, Michael Caine would say, oh, he's trying to be the... I'm not going to do a Michael Caine impression. But he, he's trying to be the hero that we deserve and things like that. And it's it's like, this is these are the themes you're supposed to be playing with. You're not supposed to put them in the dialogue. 
I felt like a lot of times when Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley were speaking, it was like they were providing the commentary on the film. Mm. They're, they're, it seems very direct. I think a difference, though, is that The Dark Knight, like, every scene was that. Yes, this is much more restrained, but it's that same vein, that same flavor of I feel like writing. you want to say something I think that. I, I get what you're saying, but I also, in a way, kind of feel like that's necessary because nobody really understands what the Sith and Jedi are in terms of, like, our everyday life. It's very vague in the sense of Star Wars. One is light, one is dark, one is good, one is bad. But it's, like, a very elusive kind of dualistic religion or whatever it is so that you kind of do have to spell it out to people because otherwise people are just like, well, why? Why do you have these two halves? Why can't you just have, well, like, you know, also, a middle ground? Also, there, I would also say two other things. One, we're now in the eighth film of this series. <laughs> you could maybe say that we've earned getting, like, a little more of, like, a slightly concrete explanation. And two, our previous explanation was midi-chlorians. Right. Well, <laughs> would you, would I'm you glad those are gone. It's just that throughout the Star Wars films, even through the prequels, it's been pretty simple. It's been light side, dark side, good and evil. Mm -hmm. And we've never needed to push past that because it's always been easy mm -hmm. to understand. So and I don't think that Star Wars really had any ambition towards towards making that making a sort of statement about those things. It's... and. You and does that mean you shouldn't elaborate on those things? I'm like, well, you should elaborate on them because we again, this is the eighth film, and if you're going to make a if you're going to make sequels to three of the most popular films of all time, you you do need to expand the complexity of that world a bit. But it's sometimes but when they're explaining that complexity or exploring mm -hmm. it in this film, it's much. They're talking to each other in, are, uh, in, in in this sort of. Are you also referring to the scenes between uh, Ray and Kylo? A little bit, yes. Because see, I kind of like those scenes quite a bit because of like that they're building their their own kind of like weird antagonistic, but at the same time like uncertain relationship and they're not even in the same physical place yeah uh, I, I but really it's just appreciate like, it doesn't, that it felt like something a little different than it, I've seen in Star Wars before my main problem I think is it doesn't sound like dialogue hmm it sounds like commentary it's not written in a way where you can imagine two people having a conversation about this thing it's more like written as like a set of notes on what the Force is and what the dark side is. Well, I don't think that any of the Star Wars movies have ever had good dialogue about the Force and the Jedi and the Sith. They've all been like terribly one note. Well, like that doesn't esoteric. make this good. It doesn't make it good, but it doesn't mean it's like any I, different from any previous. I movie. guess I'm just going to have to disagree with you as I, I kind of like those scenes and they, they still felt in character with what Star Wars is. And if maybe, maybe Matt is... Right, and that maybe I'm giving that a pass. I, even when even when the dialogue in Star Wars has been a bit wonky and clunky, and it, it's oh, it, it's never sounded unnatural. Hmm. I they've, we've had good enough actors, and we've had you know good enough to, uh, directors and editors to kind of cut around things and act it up, so it at least sounds like people are talking about see, something. See, I don't know. See, like when Luke is explaining the the Force to Ray, though. I feel like, though, it's more organic to 
trying to tap into, um, you know, what goes back to in the original New Hope that, you know, granted, yeah, you know, Obi-Wan explains it much more simply and, you know, and all that, but it felt more organic than, say, in Phantom Menace where you suddenly stop to have a scene where Liam Neeson gives, like, a little lecture about midichlorians. Yeah, but even when he was talking about midichlorians, he was talking to a child about what midichlorians are, and it's like, I'm trying to explain something to you, which we as fans think is stupid, but it's but it's at least, like, Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn was trying to explain something to Anakin Skywalker as a little kid, instead of giving him a lecture of what midichlorians are. I, but see, I didn't really find it to be that much of a lecture. I, I felt it maybe if it had just only stayed on the two actors in on that rock or whatever, then maybe you might have a you know I would agree with you. But because of how the visuals were cutting around and showing us these different things like all over the place on the island, and that it was it was it was telling, but it was at least still showing me things. And so it felt cinematic. All right, I'm gonna go away from that. Uh, let's let me talk about some new people there here. Uh, Laura Dern's in this movie. Yes, and I quite liked her a lot. Yeah, she has purple hair. Yes. <laughs> Why not? You know, that's I'm sure you know whoever came up with that idea was like, yeah, let's do it. Laura Dern in this film seems like somebody's mom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, she's now at that age. Well, I don't... Oh, do you mean, like, character-wise? Character-wise. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? Now that you say it, and I think about it for a second, you know, it's it's kind of late, but, um, yeah. Yeah, she's... Yeah, the way that she's talking to characters, too, is very mom-like. And eventually there are some twists that happen with her and, like, you know, things that we... She can't. becomes much more interesting as that film goes on. She does. She becomes much more interesting... Um, also, and Benicio Del Toro is in the film, too. He pops up. I had no idea he was going to be in this film. Yeah, you didn't know? No. I, I knew, and I had a sense that I was a little worried that he would be, like, you know, if we're, if we're kind of making, you know, if, if Rian Johnson is doing a, a quote-unquote, like, Empire uh, tribute, if he was, like, the Lando-type character. Maybe. And... I, he certainly, uh... He's certainly a shady guy. Yes. But, you know, again, Benicio Tel Toro looks like a shady man. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Have you ever seen that, like, I forget if it's for Heineken or for some yeah, type I've of beer. You've seen that commercial? And, like, <laughs> he's like, this is not like, Antonio Banderas. Yes. Right. Yeah, I don't know how you get him conf him confused. It's That's like he's joke. No, but, never mind. Um, so he's quite good, and now I just lost my letterbox Kelly Marie page. Tran. Thank you. Have I seen her in anything before? No, I think this is like her first movie. Wow, you are right. She was in... Oh, no, no, she was in like one other movie called XOXO or something. Uh, nobody's seen that. Hugs but, and Kisses. Yeah. she She's also in this movie. She plays a character that uh, kind, of, kind of becomes involved with Flint. With, Flynn, that's a Flynn. Flynn. Finn. In the, he, she's in like Flynn. Um, Finn. F-I-N-N. Finn F the human. Finn the... Yes, not not Finn from Phineas and Ferb. Uh, <laughs> wow, this is like the, the late night wonky podcast. It's um, very late. <laughs> I know, I know. We'll, we'll try to get through all this. All right. Um, and I, I quite liked her. She brought a lot of 
really terrific emotion to this character, and also her character eventually leads to um, opening up the Star Wars world in a way that, you know, is is a good thing. Uh, without I don't know if you could, if it's spoiler to say like what her backstory is. It is a spoiler. All right. So without again without saying too much, where her character takes us in the story, um, I feel is is really really clever and it actually opens up the whole idea of the war part of of Star Wars like uh, in the sense of how it affects people that we're not even really thinking about like cuz it's it's something that I something I thought about while watching this movie um you know cuz in the in the half in the bag the red letter media review for Rogue One uh one of the people on it said that like, the dirty little secret about Star Wars is that it's very small and very limited. Yeah. And, you know, and I think we might have even touched upon that in some of our discussions before. Um, but I think that Ryan Johnson really is adept at working within those limitations and being able to chip at things where he can. And that's why I think that where it becomes really spectacular is because he hits upon those notes and is just, like, playing the hell out of them. I, I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense. I, I'm listening to you, but... Uh, I'm listening to you, but you're wrong. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I keep thinking about this, and there's something that, that bothers me. I don't want to just change the subject on you, but okay. there's something... I, I got I, I to talk about this. The whole first half of this film feels weird to me how so it feel it's like is it because it's following uh, like in terms of time like so no. quickly from the last film no that's not it. it it's pretty easy to understand where we stand i mean that's why we have a title crawl yeah uh, and but it's like is it because it's like a chase film for like the first half, but it's like a really weirdly low stakes kind of not chase film? Like you know I don't how, know about low stakes. Well, not like really low stakes, but it's just kind of like repetitive because like okay, they're chasing behind us, and but they have a shield, so nothing we're shooting at them can really hurt us because they have a shield. But we're running low on gas, but we're gonna send somebody out to go double back and and untrack us. That kind of thing. No, it's like we we have a main plot which is the resistance is fleeing from the first order. I mean, quite literally, they are a few steps ahead of them and they're being blasted by these giant starships and they're trying to escape. Right. Now that's going to be dull if you stay on that because it's basically them running away and there's no fighting going on. Right. So we break that up with two things. We break that up first with Ray and Luke Skywalker Mm-hmm. And it's this is weird for for one reason because we don't quite understand what Luke is is all about. Mm-hmm. We have an idea of who Luke Skywalker is in our heads, but this Luke Skywalker is very cagey and ev- evasive, and he kind and he keeps trying to explain why he doesn't want to help anybody because he's messed up and everything. And we're trying to see like what point is he trying to get to? What is he trying to tell us? Well, and, I don't think that you and well, I think though that the idea to, it should be fairly obvious if like somebody is has secluded themselves on an island 
with like nobody able to find them, they're clearly hiding from something. Right. right. But then we also interrupt that with Finn and Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go off to a completely different planet to do this side quest to solve the problem back at, at, at the main chase. Yeah, that that's a solid, like, that sounds that's a solid structure to me. But it seems it see it feels to me like like a real it it, it it seems weird to interrupt that thing by going to a completely different planet to just go to this different to this different setting and that's where you're going to have another adventure to go, to just come back. It feel I don't know what it is, but it just feels so strange. Uh-huh. I can't put it into my mind, but but as I was watching this film, as we reached the halfway point, I was like, "Where is this film going? Hmm. And what is, how is all of this stuff gonna blend together?" Because really, it's jumping. Because to me, it felt like it was jumping back and forth between a lot of different things, and I couldn't tell what direction it was going and and that to you actually was a negative well i didn't know because (laughs) i was like i was kind of fascinated because i was just like this film has me perplexed yeah and i'm like i want to see where it's going but i have no idea how it's going to turn out Mm. so it was a different type of like because to me i i felt that but it was more like intrigue it was like genuine intrigue because again kind of following a little bit of a structure from empire but maybe it's because you're cutting maybe it's because you're cutting between a lot of different storylines because you also forgot that aside from yeah you're following finn and and rose you're following luke and let and ray then while this the chase is happening there's drama there because you have uh poe dealing with laura dern and then there's also uh, blah, blah, Ky- Kylo and Snoke. Did the time seem weird to anybody else? Because it seemed like Ray was with Luke for many days, but the chase was going on. It looked like hours at most. Like they kept saying, "Oh, we only have like six hours left until like our fuel goes out, and we're doing a side mission, and we have to get back in time." But at like the same time, it looked like Ray and Luke were going very leisurely. So I'm not sure whether Ray and Luke were supposed to be happening at the same time, or whether the time I... flows faster on that planet than it does in the the chase sequence. I don't know about that. I have a feeling we're kind of moving on Dunkirk time. <laughs> <laughs> Because essentially the part one with, week, one day, one hour. Yeah, because essentially the the Luke and Daisy, not Daisy, uh, Luke and Ray, no, that's her name. Daisy Ridley. Uh, those presumably da- that da- picks up right where the Force Awakens left off, mm-hmm. and I, you know, any t- amount of time could pass between. Uh, Ray finding Luke and then finally he- heading back to help the resistance. So, uh, yeah, I think we're talking about a somewhat warped time scale in terms of how long is Ray with Luke? How long she- is this chase going on? We're basically cutting between two diff- two mismatched periods of time. Maybe the days are just much shorter on the island. I, that was the thing for me with Empire Strikes Back. It's like, to me... It feels like actually in that the training went longer than when Han is and Leia are hiding from the Empire. I said the opposite. It feels to me like the events of Empire Strikes Back take place within a day. 
I don't know. It, it's weird. See, I feel like if we're going to talk about timelines, I feel like the timeline Empire is weirder than this movie. Because I, I in Empire, like, you have, like, it looks like Luke and Yoda are training for, like, a month. But, like, all the events are taking place over, like, two days. Some for, pe- I think some Leia. people have said that Empire takes place over the course of months. No. So that's what some people, I mean, but it, it doesn't feel that way. But it's because just because of how that film is edited. It moves yeah. at a very fast pace, even though it's not action all the I time. I think that also, in the case of this movie, I think that Ryan Johnson's trying for something a little more epic in scope. That maybe. might be what's throwing us off a little bit, or maybe throwing you off. I, I don't know. Like to me, I I wasn't thrown off much by the structure at all. Like, I, but it's not intriguing in the way that it's like you want to find out the answer to the mystery. Hmm. It's not that sort of intriguing to me. It was just the sign of it, this feeling that this is a very different Star Wars film. Hmm. Very different from the original trilogy. Different from the prequels. Even different from the Force Awakens. In mm. terms of structure and in terms of... The characters, though, are, are pretty similar, though. No, I don't mean characters. I mean in terms of how it's structured and how the plot is laid out. At least for that first half. Maybe. And, because but then, I was mystified. But then in the second half, did it start to come together? It came together in the second half. Okay. Very well, in fact. Mm-hmm. And I feel like somehow the loose ends are in the beginning of the film. It sounds and like... eventually the, they all intertwine at the uh, end. This isn't, you know, again, we're, we're doing... I know we said we're doing this late, but... What I wonder is if maybe this might just be something from seeing it the first time, and when you get around to it again at some point, uh, whether it's, you know, months from now or whatever... I, I, I see if a, you might If you might actually have a different reaction. I see a lot of movies for the first time. Very few movies have made me feel like this one did. I think that it's possibly due to uh, Ryan Johnson's filmography. If you look at his filmography, he oh, does yeah. like, a lot of suspense mystery things. Um, like I don't know if you, how much you've seen, whether you've seen Brick or The Brothers Bloom. Ooh, have or, I seen Brick? Um, All right, let, let's 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 tell our our, our listeners. So Re- Ryan Johnson, Matt, tell is... tell us about Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, director of he's directed three movies, and he's also done some TV. He's directed the movie Brick. All right, well, uh, the, how about Matt? You tell us. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm, um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. Quiet, Jack! Um, <laughs> sorry about dude, that. Okay. Um, yeah, you're a little mad. The Bricks, <laughs> The Brothers Bloom, and I'm blanking on See? the other one. <laughs> Give him some time. The, the one with He's Bruce earn his pay. and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and this time travel... Looper. 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 Yes, Looper. Which has one of my favorite all-time lines to ever uh, involving time travel, where Bruce Willis tells the younger version of himself, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, we're not going to talk about time travel, because if we talk about time travel, we're going to be here all day talking about time travel, drawing diagrams with straws. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he also did... Like one of the most famous episodes of Breaking Bad yes. with the fly and, the... and Ozymandias. Ah, uh, yeah. The third to last episode, which is, you know, a heartbreaking episode. Like there was a lot of, like some of the things in I, I saw in that Breaking Bad episode were kind of in this movie. Yeah. Um, so. So he he's known for doing really kind of twisted movies. Brick is a see maybe you did see this movie. It's a. It's the one with the film noir that's laying in high school. Yeah. 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 Okay, so he he has a interesting take on plot, I guess maybe. I'll 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 give him that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, it, it, it's part of it is that it was su- it was such so different from what I expected from Star Wars. Hmm. But all oh, the other part was, it was this sort of weird suspense for me of what kind of movie this was going to be. Hmm. And I, I didn't feel secure in what it was doing, okay. and maybe that paid off, uh, but it was a very interesting experience just okay. to be in the theater and watch this, yeah. especially considering that you know it's like a big, mega blockbuster it's movie. It's the biggest blockbuster. <laughs> yes, it, it kind of is one of well one of the biggest, right? Certainly of the decade. Uh, any thoughts, Matt? Before we move on to spoilers, um, I like. Thoughts as far as works. I feel like we're all sorts of all over the place. We are all over the place. Like the first half of this film. (laughs) Well, again, but well, uh, it is tough to talk about some of the things in this movie without getting into the spoilers. Oh, I I will say uh, one other thing I want to say without, and this isn't exactly a spoiler. This is just an observation I had. Um, By the end of this movie, you will kind of wonder, like, man. What is J.J. Abrams going to do oh. in episode nine? Oh, no. Yeah, I don't. I, it, uh, there's a part of me that is like, I don't envy you, man. No, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, you know, here's here's what here's one little weird thing about this movie. I'll give you, Andrew. This just popped in my head. This almost feels like the last Star Wars movie. Yes, like it should be the finale. Yeah. In and it's way. not. No, it's that's not. that's that's the one weird thing I there would say will, about this movie. I, I will wager money that there will never be a last Which is ironic. Well, well, but but it's ironic too because if you I don't know if you've heard about this, but Ryan Johnson has actually been given the keys by Disney and Lucasfilm to do a like a whole separate trilogy. Like he's going to do like the first non-Skywalker whatever series I welcome that I do too I'm curious what what I've seen tonight yeah because it was so uh, it it, ah see it's interesting hearing you do like talk about movie like this because this is different than like when we saw Wonder Woman and you were just flat out like I knew how I felt about Wonder Woman yeah I knew how I felt about Justice League I know how I felt about whatever the hell we saw before that Thor Ragnarok. See, the problem is you needed the cinema immersion tank for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Two and a half hours? No, thank you. All right. So, uh, 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 final thoughts before we head into spoilers. Right. Matt? Uh, this restored my faith in Star Wars, basically. It's just that good. It's like a movie that's a good space opera that stands on its own, but if you're a fan of Star Wars, you'll like it too, and it doesn't feel like a glorified rehash of the previous films like The Force Awakens. It's like a quality movie. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll second that. Yeah. Save some time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I, I absolutely adore this movie. I, it made me... This, this is one of those really cheesy things as somebody who's trying to be critical about something to say. It made me feel like a, a kid. Watching is that like, how you personally felt? <laughs> Did I just say me personally? No, I'm just. Um, <laughs> that's a, I'm just messing with you. I I know. Um, Pre-podcast it, callback. Yes. It, you know, <laughs> there, there, let me just because there are moments in this movie where I was just sitting there next to Corey, holding her hand, and like 
actually having like really like intense emotions and uh like t- to me this and Mad Max Fury Road are like the two really great big blockbuster movies from like the past few years. Yeah, it's been pretty good so far. Yeah. Um but good good so far how? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to spoilers now. So if you like to not be spoiled by this, and I assume that's a lot of you if you haven't seen the movie yet, you might want to just pause here. If you've seen the movie or don't give a crap, then listen on. feel like we should be like the seagulls in uh, Finding Nemo. Yes. <laughs> fine, fine. Okay, spoilers. Let's confront the porgs. <laughs> are they a spoiler? They're not. It's worth covering because there were so many people. They're, they're a garnish. Yeah, they are. They're, they're quite a tasteful garnish, too. Yeah. It's not overdone because there was a lot of worry worrying when people saw that trailer it's like oh great another cuddly creature to throw in and sell toys for mm. and yeah it's going to sell a lot of toys oh, yeah. but it was there and it made its impression and it's not like it was a major plot point and we had porg antics you know what's an interesting thing that just occurred to me that maybe part of the reason why people have an issue with Ewoks is because here you have these really cute cuddly creatures and, you know, they're actually really badass and can do lots of great military things. And obviously, I, I don't feel like that's a bad thing. I actually think the Ewoks are really a lot of fun and are pretty great. And I know, yeah. Matt, you feel the same way. Yeah, um, yum nub. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, I think in this case, the Porgs don't really do anything to impact the story. They're just there as another piece of, you know, we're in Star Wars. Part of the appeal is let's have some colorful characters and you know like and some weird creatures yeah in a way it's let's inter- see luke drink milk from one of their members <laughs> <laughs> i saw you have a face when that happened that was interesting yeah that's because that was another moment in the movie where i thought why are we watching this where is this you know what going? that you know what that felt like what that felt like a scene out of a miyazaki movie and it was green milk Sure, finally well, a Star been... Wars film without blue milk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it becomes blue milk after it's fomented. But uh, fomented, uh, fermented. But anyhow, um, but the interesting thing about <laughs> porgs and also the caretakers on the island was that they were comic relief, but they were like detachable comic relief because usually there's a character who's like a part of the plot who's yeah. funny, whereas these the plot just moving along and they have funny things tacked on to it, like. They're there, but they're not essential. Like, you could even edit them out of the movie completely and nothing would be different. They're, they're there to add color and life because... you, you But you kind of need that because if you don't have it, then you just have Luke and Ray on this island. And as compelling as that is, 
you need to have something to slightly offset it because it's like as misanthropic as Luke is by this point, yeah, he needs to have something that will make him kind of smile as he waits death. He does have he has a few funny moments. He has a moment with uh, R- like R2D2 is on the William Falcon and to try to get Luke back into the you know, you gotta help out. Like uh, he, he shows the video of uh Leia doing the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi thing and, yeah. and, and Luke's like Oh, that's a low blow. <laughs> that's a that's a cheap shot. And <laughs> that whole reach out. <laughs> to reach oh out. yes, yeah, yeah, that was great. That felt like a real. Uh, that 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 felt like a moment out of like a martial arts movie. That, that like, was, that was like, a very, like a Pai Mei moment. That, that was a very old man sort of move. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it, it's weird that 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 Ray though she. <laughs> She takes Luke's command to reach out so literally. <laughs> well, there's a part of Ray though that what makes it what makes her appealing and what you know she's a bit she's like a child, you know she she, she has a real childlike quality to her, you know but, that might but, be you know that that's why maybe Luke has to explain it to her in such a way that's different than if she was uh, like much older. To me though, that clashes with the the sort of talks that she has about oh you you've got to give us hope and you've got to do the thing and you, and and then all of a sudden she has this funny moment where she literally reaches out her hand to to use the force i i i, and, I was fine with that she she didn't understand the force yet <laughs> no one seems to understand the force in this film uh well anyway um some other, so talking about some things that happen uh in this movie to get into it so there's a part in this movie where um uh, the, the, the First Order um, takes shot at one of the Resistance ships, and you see uh, Princess Leia, Princess, General Leia, and all the people in, in you the... You can say Princess Leia. We know who Leia. They're all blown out into space, and Leia, like, is kind of, does that, you know, she's out in space. She's frozen. She does what people in space do, but then she's alive. Because the Force what? is strong within her. It's all the yeah. She used the force to get back on the spaceship, and not immediately that. die in space. I know. I I knew what I was, was happening. Surprised by that because that I was, had the, I had this feeling that, that was she, that was the moment that when you talk about how like, huh? That was the one moment in the first hour where I had that. Yeah, it, it, I expected Princess Leia to die in this film. Yeah, but but the thing was to me, I when that happened. My first thought was, oh, did they change this after Carrie Fisher died? Like, is that how they're going to get... Oh, that's that's so early in the movie. Like, it's in, like, the first half hour that that happens. And it was so surprising that th- this was the method they chose to me. It was, like, part of the spaceship blows up, she gets sucked out into the vacuum of space. And I'm like, that's how she's going to go out. That's, when that's th- pretty rough. Well, that's one of the things that I also find that... I'm really worried about episode nine because J.J. Abrams has a bit of a hacky tendency sometimes with his material. And, you know, Luke dies at the end of this movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and he, he dies in a way that is really perfect. He becomes one with the Force. He becomes one with the Force. He does it in, like... On his own terms. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool way to go out. But that, the weird thing but with then, Princess Leia also... But, but her story doesn't feel like it's 
over? No. Because it, it wasn't over no! when they finished. And it's oh God. Unfortunately the story of Carrie Fisher is over. I know, I know. And now we're stuck with that. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a thing like you know, for example, in like Return of the King or something where, you know, they, they you know, they shot a scene with Christopher Lee but they, they cut it out of like the theatrical version and then it yeah. wasn't and it, it wasn't essential. It was a mistake though. <laughs> <laughs> it did give us one of the great meme videos ever where he's yodeling. But anyway, how you can't just write her out of the next movie though. I know that's not to do with this movie person. Like how they dealt with her in this movie, fine, great. Right. But and, and to get back to that, it's like she's been sucked out in space and I'm like, okay, dead. Then all of a sudden we have a shot of her body tumbling through space and I'm like, really? We're going to do this? Yeah, that We're was what I thought. show that? And no, no, then, no. As soon as they showed that, I knew, oh, she's alive. I, I didn't think she was alive. I, oh, I, yeah. Again, this movie messed with me. <laughs> it messed with you in the way that, like, a a, a serial does. No. <laughs> and, but I'm but where when took me by surprise it's like oh she she used the force to just fly back into the spaceship and i'm like all right cool that was actually kind of interesting i didn't expect that to happen yeah i I, i'm i'm gonna be curious how fans react to that i wonder if that's gonna be like everything else (laughs) well (laughs) (laughs) but make sure to tell me what the comments are on your blog matt matt the matt the um, I have nothing against you fans. It's just uh, I'm kind of tired of some of your garbage. Okay. Um, let me talk about... So um, one of the things with Laura Dern that makes her character really interesting is that um, you know, it, she's someone who really gets a great arc because uh, you know a, a reveal happens two-thirds of the way into this where, oh, so even though she's looked... She, We've thought she's just like this weak-willed uh, a bureaucrat who's just kind of steering everyone into like certain doom. You know, it's like that twist where, oh, Neville Chamberlain was actually Winston Churchill all along. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's hard. It, yeah, I. Yeah, the, it's fine. There was a. There's one thing that I haven't quite understood is how was the First Order tracking their ship? Oh, you mean when they went into light speed? Yeah. I think they just had the technology. I mean, that's one of those things that I can just, you know, in, in the sense of it being a Star Wars movie, that's one of those things that, oh, okay, that that's kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. Again, eighth movie, you know, it's that's something that by now that, you know, if they if they're this if they're trying to be like this advanced badass military force, they're they're gonna have something like that, I, I, like that's something that they didn't have to explain. I, I was fine with just. I thought it was setting up the the, the idea that there was a traitor on the ship. What do you uh, mean a traitor on which ship? A traitor on the flagship. Oh oh, I um, thought that was it, and like, it's like oh, they're all that someone on this ship is is. Oh, you thought they is telling the First Order where they are or I, something like I that. I think that was intentional that they wanted you to mistrust Laura Dern's character. But then it got me all confused because after that, it's like, well, wait a minute. How is, how is the whole tracking thing working? And It just I, is a thing I, that works. Yeah, I don't think that... I never really thought of it being a twist I, like I agree with you. I thought they had put some kind of a beacon onto the ship that they were tracking through there. But I guess, like Jack said, they, they didn't need one. I guess. That does, and that's why they need to get on... Instead of 
looking on the flagship for the tracking beacon, they had to go to the First Order's flagship to turn off their tracking array there. Huh. And it, but, but the effect that had on me, it, it was distrusting Laura Dern, even though I knew it was too obvious. Yeah. Well, I didn't just trust Laura Dern to the point where I thought she was super Miss uh, Trader Pants. I, I thought she was just... I thought the point with her character, up until the reveal that happens where Leia's like, oh no, she was just like, you know, d trying to steer us all along to this, like, hidden planet, she was... was too cool. Yeah, that Laura Dern was just like this... You know, Leia clearly put her trust in someone who was going to you know, do something that would be, you know, to her liking. Yeah. It's just that maybe it's maybe part of it is going back to when we first said that she reminds you of someone's mom where who are all untrustworthy. Yeah, moms. They just don't understand. Uh <laughs> and the fact that maybe in a way, like, we're kind of more in the camp of Poe Dameron, somebody who's like, No, we gotta do this now. We have to be like do this heroic thing. He's the we, guy with the plan. Yeah, he's the guy with the plan. We always got to follow the plan. Whereas, um, you know, she's someone who is hiding so much up her sleeve that it's to the point where she almost seems like she's incompetent. Although, if she had just told him what she was doing. But then, I, I don't know, but maybe Poe wouldn't have been able to, you know, not spill the beans. and I, I don't know. But then again, but, but again, there's no traitor on the ship. Who's going to spill the beans? I think we're... I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of getting hung up on, like, th that there had to be some type of traitor set up with that. I felt that's what it was building to. All right. It was a misdirect, okay. Andrew. I guess. Okay, okay. Here's something that... going Now, going steering direction. So, Finn and Rose go to that planet. Space Monaco. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is where... Yeah, this casino is, Space Owl. This is where I'm going to take a little bit of issue with this film. Because it feels very much like someone said, Space Monaco. <laughs> and then they said, okay, we'll build that. And? It, it felt like it was lifted from another film and put it into Star Wars. Uh, As opposed to everything else in Star no, Wars? No, but, but, but come on. Like, felt, what, like, the cantina isn't, like... Let's have a, a scene where somebody goes into the saloon in a, in a Wild West town. Well, but it's different. It's How? like that, but different. Is it too obviously like a casino? It's Yes. But it the, seems... But, but the idea, though, is that it's it, different than like a sandy town like in Moss Eisley. Here, the idea is that because they have all this like opulence and wealth... Uh, you know, you have, like, you, you, a, an upper class and a lower you have class. A guy... You have all these exploited people. That was the thing that especially made me surprised. I think if it had just been the casino planet, maybe it would have been a little shallow. But they ended up having a little bit more depth. You have a guy in a white dinner jacket with a pencil mustache. You're not going to tell me that doesn't look like it's straight out of a 1930s uh, detective movie. And... And then you have a horse track, which looks like a horse track, but it just has these different kind of animals on it. Yeah, I'm not seeing that as a negative, though. As it, opposed to, like, and I can't believe I'm the, saying this, but, like, in Phantom Menace, the pod race is just, like... A chariot mass, race yeah, in space. a chariot race on a, on a dirt plane. But, again, like that, but different. I, the, the cantina is like walking into a saloon in a Wild West town. 
but it feels different. It sounds different. It's got different kinds of characters in it. You have this different look to it that sets it apart from that that trope enough so mm-hmm. that it feels like its own thing in Star uh, he, he, Wars. You know, he, in this the, this casino place, mm-hmm. Space Monaco, feels like Space Monaco, not like something from the Star Wars universe. Mm, I don't know. I, I when you have machines that work exactly like slot machines and people who are obviously playing space craps, it feels like, yes, this is just the regular thing, except the word space in front of it. That's what that whole scene felt like to me. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that... It, here's what I would say. If they were spending much more time in that place, I might see where you're getting at. But they're there for, like, two minutes. Well, I'd say, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> A lot of that's in, like, the... like The jail. Yeah, and ultimately, to me, I liked the larger point that that was trying to make. And as I mentioned before, as far as opening up sort of, like, the wars part in Star Wars, the fact that Rose, you know, that she was part of, like, this exploited class where all of the First Order's weaponry was built by these people on this planet, and... Meanwhile, these people are just living it up in this casino. Like, I, I really thought that was clever. I don't know. It's... I don't think it was as clever as you think it is. I, I, if I saw it again, I might, I might. I was. Matt, what's on your mind? I would say that I'm sort of in the middle between you two guys, like where I could see that there could have been more effort put into making it feel more alien, but at the same time, it was different enough for Star Wars and that it was fun enough that I don't really mind that much. Yeah, it was It was fun in that. Uh, that that's a, that, It was fun enough to distract me from it being Space Monaco. Yes. And yeah, just because Space Monaco was cool in and of itself. Uh, and I, 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 I will grant you that Space Monaco is cool. <laughs> <laughs> it just needs to have like a slightly more original look, possibly. Yes. But yeah. But I mean, just to it's get... It's like you break it down and you can build something else out of the same pieces, but it has to be something different. Mm. All right. All right. Uh, and so let me get, let me just talk about a couple other things, because again, we're, we're just kind of bouncing around now in spoilers. But, yeah. I really did like that whole middle part on Space Monaco. I think that from Space Monaco onwards is from, like, where I was really into this movie, because then my brain goes Space Monaco, and then the scene on Snoke's ship, which is just so damn good. Oh, my God. That was pretty awesome. Oh, we got to talk about this for a second, because... This is where the film started to come together for me. Well, I I was hoping that it would, because they tease it a little bit early on, because you have... A even much more stark split between like master and apprentice than uh, you know in Return of the Jedi, which I think this this movie this is where it kind of borrows from pretty heavily in this in this entry. Yeah, is this whole thing of you're my apprentice and I think you're weak <laughs> and you suck. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, Snoke you basically just are a little sissy. Yeah, he basically <laughs> just tells that to uh to um Kylo. to Kylo Ren and it it's uh 
And it's like you almost take like the kind of arrogance and just I don't you know, I know everythingness of Palpatine and multiply it by ten, and that's Snoke. And also just how you know in in Force Awakens we only saw him in that uh, whatever vision hologram. hologram. Here is there in the flesh, but it's it, and it's actually it's motion capture too. Yeah, um, Andy Circus man. Well, I'm yeah, man. What what? Do you realize that now he he's in like he's every in film. <laughs> he's in every significant franchise. He's in the Marvel universe. He's in Planet of the Apes. He's in Lord of the Rings. He's in this. Was he in Harry Potter? Star Trek. I don't know about Star he Trek. Hasn't Star Trek or Harry Potter yet. Yeah, still there's time. still time. There's still time. Um, he he's having he's just he's great. <laughs> and yeah, in the in the scene where Ray is fine, Ray finally comes to uh, to try to you know do the thing of I want to try to bring the good in you, the conflict, blah blah blah. That scene is like so entertaining and it's so yes. tense. Because you have, I had no idea how that could go. Because yeah. that could have gone, well, what if, you know, Snoke really does, like, kill her? Yeah. And it really draws that out. And how it gets resolved uh, is, I'm not even going to spoil that. You just got to see the movie for that part. Mm. Um, I'm disappointed that, <laughs> that, that I don't think we'll ever have a satisfi- satisfactory answer to who Supreme Leader Snoke is. I, but I almost kind of like that. I, I like the kind of mystery there. Like, maybe... Uh, who knows? Maybe if you read, like, the books or something, they go more into that. But, books don't matter. Yeah. But... Well, exactly. Like, uh, well, let me put it this way. When, when we watch Return of the Jedi, we don't really know that much about where Palpatine comes from. No. But in this one, Snoke seems to have a much more concrete relationship to the people around him. I have to stop things for a second because Matt just randomly left a Star Wars dull sticker of Porgs? Yes. It's for your That's wife. It's for your wife. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll pass it on to her. Um, I, well, when, when Hux finds out that, that Snoke is dead, he seems severely distraught. Yeah, he does. And Snoke just, like, he seems to pop up out of nowhere. I mean, if we think about Return of the Jedi, Empire's gone. And then somehow between then and and Force Awakens, this guy named Snoke just comes out of the blue, and we know nothing about him, but apparently he's the he's the leader of the most dangerous force in the galaxy. And then we learn nothing sure. about him, and now he's dead. Well, you have to think about, though, if you're going by the logic of Star Wars, where you have, like, this incredible dark force that people can harness in the universe. There's also the light side, you know, the idea is to try to get balance. They had all of this dark crap out there after the Pal- after Palpatine's killed. Somebody's bound to soak that up. So, I don't know. So what you're saying is that we're never ever going to have an end of the Star Wars because when Kylo Ren dies next movie, they're just going to have a new Sith Master pop up. No, but you know what just occurred to me? What could be what could be kind of interesting in episode nine, it, it could also be terrible, but J.J. Abrams has, like, Snoke Jr. or something. You know, like, the way that, like, Return of the Jedi, they're trying to build, like, another Death Star. Yeah. You know, even though it's like, why bother? 
at this point. Uh, you know, what if, like, they bring, like, you know, because now Snoke is gone, somebody else comes and fills in the vacuum. But clearly now this is Ky- this is Kylo Ren's story. Yeah. I He is set that, up that, now. That, that's, that's clear. He is set up now to become the ultimate villain of, of the end of this trilogy. Yes. And... How they're going to end that, I have no idea. That's, and that's, it also that's not about this movie. Yeah. It's not about that, right? But he, but Snoke is was clearly never as important as, as Kylo Ren was. Although I still wish there was some sort of. I mean, uh, there was some way to understand who he was. I, you 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 do make a that is a valid point. I will grant you. Like, it could be interesting to know what his backstory is. I mean, I get the sense from what they infer that that Snoke was already, you know, a problem to the point when Luke was training Kylo Ren. And that makes me wonder, you know, was Luke just training uh, Ben Solo and all these other uh, potential Jedi, you know, just to do it? Or did he do it knowing that there's already this other wizard? Like, th- this is something that I'll I'll have to think about in the coming days and... I actually, I have a friend of mine at work that I talk Star Wars with. Maybe he'll have some ideas. But then once he's dead, the entire movie explodes. Well, that's what's what, what's fascinating to me yes. is that that's why I felt like this is this feels like the last Star Wars movie because you, you go by how you usually think these things go as far as from the original trilogy. Maybe that's why this movie feels weird because it's still taking things that are familiar from Empire. Like, you know, our heroes are on the run from the villains in space, in, in their ships. In the, space! The, yeah, there's space out in space. Uh, the, 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 the main character, uh, the, you know, our, 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 our Jedi heroine is having, you know, much doubt and darkness on being trained. And there's not exactly romance, but, you know, there's the kind of start of it, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. That was that was actually an interesting point at the end when they have like that little kiss and then she just falls over. For a split second I thought like, "Oh no, she died." And then I was glad though that like, "Oh no, she's not dead." Cuz that would have been a little cheesy. Yes. Um, oh, I got to talk about the when Luke appears finally near the end yeah. on the planet. That was badass. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. That's like the thing that I want to take my brother to see this movie, and I knew it he, was coming. Yeah. yeah, but it the film earned it, and it ended up being a really great moment and a really great sequence. It, it felt like a good culmination of, you know, if you're gonna ha- bring back Luke Skywalker in this series, that's how you do it. And then when they do the big reveal of what this whole reappearance has been about and how Luke has done it. Everything weird that happens in that scene makes sense mm-hmm. because Luke walks out, he gets blasted by all these uh, super walkers, yeah, and he, he has no scratch. And we're yeah. like, force powers, I guess. Well, it's it's but you then, know, it, 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 hey, I mean, you know, it's, it's but then movie he, he he's got to fight Kylo Ren, and he has his blue lightsaber, which has already been destroyed by this point in the movie. Nah, he found it somehow. No, can... he has a green lightsaber, you remember? And I if we had been paying wait. attention, that would have set us off to something being wrong. Ah! I... 
because if it I was destroyed that. on that ship when Kylo Ren and Rey were reaching for it. Right. Oh. Then oh. it shouldn't exist anymore. Wow. See, that's... See, that's misdirection. That That's something where I didn't even notice that. I don't think it's even mis- misdirection. It's just something which is wrong, but yes. we find out Luke's not even there. Yeah. And, yeah, so I really like that this movie finally does creative stuff with the Force, like, actually project across planets. Yeah. Like, they should have been doing all along. And, like, it also, and then the just igniting lightsabers remotely is great. And even stuff that's not force related, like mm. doing the resistance in uh, ship in hyperspeed through the Snoke ship, yeah. was awesome. Oh, and um, and the fight with the guards and the throne room. Yeah. Yes, that that fight is amazing. What's interest? What was interesting about that fight to me as well is that um, this was going back months and months ago. I'd read in some random interview, like Ryan, jo- Ryan Johnson said that he watched this uh, samurai movie from the 60s called Three Outlaw Samurai. And he said he used that as his, like, inspiration for some of the lightsaber fights in this movie. And having seen that movie and then seeing that sequence where uh, Rey and uh, and, Ky- and Kylo, like, fight those uh, Imperial Guards, not Imperial Guards, you know, First Order, whatever. The Red Guards that are, yeah. you know, holdovers from Empire. I could see it. And it was awesome because that was like so bad, so incredible. Um, I have to talk about one last thing. Yoda's in this movie. He is, and that's where I got really giddy because I love Yoda, and he looks exactly like he does from Return of the Jedi. He looks a little bit more puppety than he did in. But is he like is was he an actual puppet in a in a in a couple of shots? Think that he was a puppet. Yeah, not of the same quality. I think. I think maybe his face wasn't moving as much. Right. But that I mean, might have been one thing. They brought back Frank Oz to, to do the voice. They brought back Frank Oz. It it felt like, oh, I, I don't know. Like, that that scene just made me feel <laughs> so good. And, and, and Luke's if, like, the books were in there. It's like, oh, you read the books? It's like, I looked through them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this idea that, that, that Yoda ghost is... Uh, so... One thing that I acquired, so Yoda like summons a lightning bolt to destroy like the yeah the temples. Sure. sure, why not? If if Leia he's can... a force ghost, whatever. Yeah, I, I like yeah. basically that they je- they finally acknowledge that the Jedi suck and like everything. Yeah, they kind of do. Like Luke even comes out and says that like, like the Jedi is a history of failure. Yeah, and I kind of like that. I, I like that aspect that like you know th- this is a you know maybe there's a reason why. You know, people went to the Sith because it's like it's easier. Yeah. All right. I, I also want to point out you're right about that idea of the Force exp- expanding more of what the Force does and what you can do with it. They almost did that in Force Awakens. You know, Kylo Ren stops a blaster bolt in midair. Yeah, that was good. And he reads people's minds with the Force by basically just like mind raping them or whatever. And that was cool. They didn't do enough of that. It felt like the same. A lot Snoke of the same does old that stuff. At one point. Well, I mean, in in the, the in this movie, movie. yeah. Well, that, but in, in the last movie, they hinted at that. They didn't go all the way. This film fulfilled that promise. There you go. Yeah. yeah I so just... I mean, even though I'm super, there's I, I'm super weird about a lot of the stuff in this movie. It was a re, it was really good. Okay. 
I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to argue with that last point. I, got, uh, it's just, I, I can see why it might feel a little weird, because it is taking a lot of what we know about the universe of Star Wars, taking these characters, taking these stories, and twisting them in, in sections where it's not, it's not confusing. It's just, as I said before, you're taking this, this universe that should be pretty limited and you're playing like every note for what it's worth. Like you are, uh, if, 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 if Star Wars or like the, the kinks or something, you know, we're, we're going to have like a great kinks set. Now, the thing about this, though, is that we were talking about how this feels like this should be the final installment, but it's not. But I kind of get that feeling that they pulled up at the last moment. They could have really ended this. Like, you know, where when they when they yeah. when they when Ray gets everybody inside the Millennium Falcon and the First Order guys are tricked with the, the Luke illusion, then why doesn't she just take the Millennium Falcon over and, like, strafe the hell out of all the walkers and the First Order ships and, like, blow the shit out of them? Because, like, it seems like they're the main, if not the last, the remaining force. Well, I don't know. I think, I think that, that that would be kind of a risk, though, to... Kind the of movie's there. over by that time. And nah, just just bomb the hell out of Hux and Kylo. Why not? You're right there. <laughs> oh, I have a question. That, that this is really stupid. Even though we're near the end of the, this review, didn't, didn't Hux die at the end of Force Awakens? No, no. I had forgotten that. See, that was Captain the one Phasma thing. didn't die at the end of Force Awakens. Do you Awakens. think she died in this one? I hope if, not. <laughs> if she's alive, uh, she should come back. Because <laughs> you know she what? just started to fulfill her potential in this film. After yeah. being criminally underused in The Force Awakens. Yes. She finally you gets know, some you know what? You know what they'll do for her? They'll do like how in like they explain that Boba Fett is alive after he should be dead in Return of the Jedi, yeah. where they said like he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit, she crawled out of flames. The flame. uh, that, was, that, get, that was a great sequence too, where think, like Laura Dern goes into the ship. So yeah. much stuff in this film just gets messed up royally. And I love when Laura that, Dern smashes through that ship. It's like everything gets That cracked. was epic. That and was it's just so like epic. they're in a ship which is huge. Mm -hmm. And it's been like cut in half by yes. this suicide attack. And everyone's just like, ah, everything's on fire. But we're, <laughs> we're, we're got to go down there. Let's get moving. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And it's like flames are falling and embers and everyone's has beautiful. It's, it's yeah. gorgeous. And yeah. this is just after we've had a giant sword fight yeah. with, with Emperor's guards and their special laser weapons, which aren't lightsabers, but somehow are still cool. Yes. Oh, man, I'm going to buy those action figures. <laughs> good, good. And I'll make sure to buy the pork. Um, All right. So anyway, if you guys uh, uh, have listened to our review and... Uh, well, thank you for listening to our review anyway. Uh, but uh, if you want to say more, please uh, send us an email, wageofcinema at gmail.com. Matt, where can you be found? I can be found at mattvictania.wordpress.com, where I will be blogging my typid review of this movie over oh. the weekend. Oh, typid. Uh, for a second, I thought you said tepid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're not tepid about this. No, I'm not. No. The not tepid, but typid review. And also Facebook and Twitter. Make sure to follow us and subscribe and all that good stuff. Um, and uh, when we come back next time, we'll have movies. Because we right. always have movies. 
And uh, thank you uh, for listening to us. We are very tired, but hopefully we weren't too rambly at all. Just um, rambly enough. Just rambly enough. And uh, so for the Wage of Cinema, I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. I'm Matt. And may the Porgs be with you. Always.